Welcome to the panel discussion, Closing the Gap Between Government and IT, sponsored by Ironbow and Dell EMC. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller, Executive Editor, Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Welcome to our discussion today. I'm looking forward to our timely conversation. My guests today, Tom Sasela, the Director of the Army Architecture Integration Center and the Office of the CIO G6, Mark Gouge, the Chief Technology Officer for the Military Health System, Manoj Thomas, the Cloud Client Computing Sales Specialist for Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Ironbow. Gentlemen, thank you for the com coming today, and I'm looking forward to the discussion. Before we get started, let me set some context for our conversation. Let me ask a simple question. Where does your agency want to be from the technology perspective, from a citizen services perspective by 2020? Not such an easy answer. We're heading down the future of dummy terminals again. They're gonna fill every desk. We're not necessarily talking about the green screens of the 1970s and 1980s, but this idea of thin client, zero client, seems to be growing as virtualization and cloud computing continue to take hold. Now, even though IDC Government Insights predicts cloud spending will drop in 2017, the research also shows investment in the cloud will rebound in 2018 and continue to rise to $3.3 billion by 2021. This is up from $2.2 billion this year. Now, IDC government says demands of government computing can place significant demands on hosted data centers. IDC recommends agencies look for smart data centers with high-performance infrastructure services, scalable reliability, and secure services. IDC often says this is provided through the latest virtualization technologies offered in a trusted, carrier-neutral environment. But we know virtualization is more than just data centers. It can also enable better security through patching and risk mitigation. That can be done more easily. It can open the door to better mobile access to data and apps. And with virtualization, agencies can move to a single desktop interface where deploying operating systems or apps becomes a lot easier. And then that brings us to Windows 10. I know something that the Defense Department really wants to talk about because we know they missed their deadline to migrate to Windows 10 in January. But then again, getting four million people on one operating system is no easy feat. Now we know DOD's long-term vision, as we will hear during the panel, includes both cloud, commercial, and government-only versions, better security through initiatives such as installing Windows 10, and moving to an as-a-service concept from tooth to tail. This combination of cloud, VDI, Windows 10 really are giving DOD, and many other agencies for that matter, a technology trifecta to bring the future to the, the government. And civilian agencies should also pay close attention to DOD's lessons learned in implementing Windows 10, as several, including the Commerce Department, the Veterans Affairs Department, the Social Security Administration, and the Transportation Security Administration are starting down this path. So with that context in place, let's turn to the panel. Once again, my guests are Tom Sasala, the Director of the Army Architecture Integration Center in the Office of the Army CIO G6, Mark Gouge, the Chief Technology Officer for the Military Health System, Manoj Thomas, the Cloud Client Computing Sales Specialist for Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Ironbow Technologies. So you heard my intro, a lot going on, virtualization, Windows 10. I'm gonna start with Tom, with the Army. You guys are well down the path in many of these. Tell us where you are as, as it relates back to virtualization. So we actually have a number of parallel paths that we're following right now. Uh, Starting off really with uh, the, the center of the environment from the enterprise perspective, which is our enterprise army data centers. Uh, so we have a pilot going on right now at Redstone uh, to do uh, what is known as an on-premise contractor-owned, contractor-operated cloud infrastructure for the Army, which is really uh, a highly virtualized, uh, highly uh, composed environment that we can start moving our enterprise applications to from what I'll call the traditional or legacy data centers. Uh, historically in the past, installations, camps, posts, and stations for the Army um, have actually uh, stood up their own servers, dedicated servers uh, mostly to individual applications and so over the years some of those applications have been virtualized, some of them have not. Um, so uh, what we're trying to do is actually uh, inside the continent of the United States uh, we're going to stand up four data centers um, and migrate most of the applications that we can to those uh, enterprise data centers if they are um, you know enterprise-wide use type applications. Uh, in addition to that we're also, you mentioned Windows 10, we have a massive uh, initiative with Windows 10. Uh, we actually uh, meet weekly to make sure that we're tracking our targets and moving towards the win Windows 10 infrastructure. Uh, turns out the, the Windows 10 uh, environment, although it did require some infrastructure upgrades was much more of a, a hardware LCR problem for us, uh, for the Army. I think some of the other military departments are, are facing similar things um, in that regard as well. So that's where the time it takes uh, to kind of roll out Win 10 is, is actually coming from, is going out and touching uh, 1.1 million individuals roughly. 
Um, and so those are the kind of the big rocks uh, in that regard. We are dabbling uh, Army-wide in uh, virtual desktop technologies. Uh, we're looking at that for uh, Fort Gordon, which is going to be our cyber center of excellence. Uh, it's going to be the uh, what we're calling the installation of the future. Um, so we're really trying to investigate some advanced, new, modern technologies that are uh, durable over time that we won't have to rip and replace in, say, five or you know, seven years because it's a. Uh, we're actually renovating the entire campus, not just the center, the Cyber Center of Excellence. So it's a very large military construction project that goes out for another, uh, you know, ten some odd years with new roads, sewage, water, the whole shebang. So IT is a small fraction of actually what's going on in Fort Gordon. So. All right, so a lot to kind of dig out from. Let, let me just start with the, the data centers. I know the, the goal here is not necessarily to jump into the data center pool, but the the, the COCO is the you know, contractor-owned, contractor-operated cloud infrastructure, <clears throat> as you said, highly virtualized already. Um, where are you guys at with that? Is, is this part of the GRSS, JIE infrastructure, or is this kind of attached but separate? Uh, so it's, well, what I'll characterize is a related and interdependent. Uh, <laughs> so the GRSS is more of a network infrastructure. It's putting the uh, enterprise users behind, uh, you know, loosely a large firewall uh, in the defense in-depth strategy. Uh, the cyber piece. Exactly, right. yeah. Creating the, the firewalls, creating the intrusion uh, detection, intrusion prevention sort of uh, capabilities at the perimeter, um, and then the data centers fall behind that. Uh, so with it, with a pilot, uh, the Redstone pilot, we're actually doing, um, uh, we're starting to identify, way, well we have identified applications, we're starting to migrate applications into the pilot and assess uh, the utility there um, of what we're doing there. So the, our goal from our cloud first strategy is really to push more and more of the Army applications into an off-premise shared cloud environment um, as opposed to a, what we're calling an on-premise shared environment, which is the Army data centers, right? So leveraging commercial cloud services as much as we can for the situations where we can. Uh, as you know, with the Department of Defense, we have many different environments, many of which are not uh, what I'll characterize as cloud-enableable from a public sector perspective. Uh, they have to be on-premise, they have to be controlled, physically isolated, that kind of thing. So that's really one of the things we're focusing in on the Army Enterprise Data Centers and then trying to figure out um, how we can leverage what DISA is doing, uh, the Defense Information System Agency is doing relative to their uh, core data centers and their, uh, their infrastructure, which is affiliated with JIE, the Joint Information Environment. And I definitely want to get back to Fort Gordon and, and some of the work there, but I'm going to move over to Mark from Military Health Systems. Mark, thanks for joining us. One thing about uh, the Military Health System, we know a lot of your focus has been on the Genesis system, the, the electronic health record, but tell us more broadly how you guys are addressing this idea of virtualization and, and, and obviously Windows 10. Sure. Uh, thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Uh, well, I'd say we're springboarding off uh, of years of planning. So in 2005, we started doing an application virtualization hosting environment for our simply managed programs and records to look at the interoperability of that and take a tow, um, dip into the water to see what virtualization in the early stages. Um, it had plus and minuses, but with the partnership with um, and the maturity of the, the market, we've rapidly gained efficiencies um, where we're going. Our, our biggest thing we're doing now after two years of planning is desktop to data center which is a massive uh, um, combination of applications, bringing all the services together so we get standard on standards, uh, which gives us that fluidity across so we can, again, work with our vendors and OEMs to look at what we need to do. Architectural compliance, looking at our cybersecurity posture, looking at our end user's experience to do fit for purpose, fit for needs. So when we do hybrid between thin client, right, no hard drives, some hard drives, it depends on what that user community needs when we talk about data intelligence delivery. Um, in our operatory rooms and our treatment rooms, thin clients, probably really good. Uh, allows us to do more with less when we talk about workforce and we talk about doctrine and policy and education and training and then partnering with our, our vendors and, and those people um, that really help us drive data center to desktop. And it really is, we talked about the hybrid cloud for what we do on-prem in the cloud, right, whether it's a level two or a level four or five, uh, going to a level seven, unless it's a strategic plan about, about those things that we need to do to really take the full spectrum of healthcare from the secret side all the way to the unclassified side uh, and really allow us to expand our operations into our federal partners for like our managed care support providers that we do outside. So a lot of people are seeing outside of our environment and uh, working with that and plugging in to the JRS and the GIE uh, allows us to have that standard on standards so that when we do mold into a larger one and, and plan with the department on that defense and depth strategy, um, it's a singular voice because it's a singular experience from us. And then that way we can look at really defects returns 
a lot quicker, and then we um, solidify a lot of our testing labs into a streamlined process. Um, so we're doing with known knowns and trying to ring out the variabilities that we see now on rolling out the data center to desktop. So data center to desktop, let me make sure it's clear, because you, you brought up a lot of different pieces and parts, right? Some have thin clients, some have hard right. drives, limited. We're, we're, we're really, what you're asking today is, is how do we get the, the person who's at their desk, who maybe is doing unclassified work, maybe not dealing with PII uh, over and above, you know, anything out of the ordinary, how can they hook back to that data center and don't have to worry about that, that tower underneath their desk? Correct. But then for other people, they may need that tower because if they're doing something more sensitive, uh, we're still maybe in the unclassified world. Too. Yep, I mean, correct on that oh, one, yay. right? So, right. Okay, I got that right. Yeah, you, you absolutely nailed it. And it really comes with, you know, how do you apply IT to the business? So you're supporting, right? So I kind of see us like Atlas, right? I mean, you're holding up a lot of things, right? And they're dependent upon that. And if you're not working upfront early on just your drafting of your business processes to how technology can or cannot benefit that, um, then you probably need to start there, right? To figure out what is the real need for IT in those. And it goes back to a lot of the pre-planning and the acquisition 5000 about can policy or doctrine change the way we need to do, or do we need to apply IT to that condition? And so working with our business partners very collaboratively, um, laying out the DDD program that we can address the multiple lines of business we have um, inside of a hospital, inside those things that provide to a hospital and not direct care, indirect care, uh, to our external communities as a large. Right. And then we'll go, I think we'll talk more about the business to business side because I think that's the key. I mean, as, as Tom and anyone will tell you, it's what the business needs. Right. Let me turn to Manoj from Adele EMC. React a little bit what you heard from Tom and Mark, but also what are you seeing from clients and, and as they're moving into this world of virtualization and VDI? Sure, thanks for having us. So just like Mark and Tom said, you know, they touched on a lot of issues that they're trying to address, right? And what we're trying to do is evangelize virtual desktop, VDI. It's been around for a while, right? Like, like uh, Mark said, there was good and bad experiences mm -hmm. of people, right? So if you fast forward to five years since the inception of VDI in, in real terms, it's come a long way. The ecosystem's changed, the technology's changed, the protocols that, that they use to connect to the back end has changed. So now what we're sort of doing again is evangelizing to the end users that have had good experiences, carry on doing it, because there's more security that's wrapped around it. And people that didn't have a good experience to tell them, hey, the technology has changed. You can address pretty much any use case today with VDI, depending on how you architect it, right? So that's the big that's the big thing. Everyone wants to do VDI, which is fantastic. But what we also try to do is, hey, let's do an assessment, right? I'd love for everybody to have a think client on their desktop, but does that work for that end user? Because at the end of the day, if that end user's experience isn't good, then VDI gets a bad rap. So what we're trying to, again, push is, Let's, let's look at your environment, let's look at what they're trying to do, and let's fit VDI where, where it's a good fit, right? And, and you mentioned thin clients and desktops, right? There's a place for a thin client, there's a place for a desktop. So you kind of have to figure out, okay, where is a good fit? So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, understand the environment, educate the customer on you know, what it is that we can support. Right? What, what's the reaction you're getting from your, your federal customers? Are they open, uh, hopefully, to, Every, absolutely. to this conversation still? Or? Absolutely, everybody's open to it, right? But it, there's, and you guys have, you know, you, you live this every day, uh, but it's just, it just takes time, right? It's going away from the norm, and you have to replace a, a, a physical desktop with a virtual desktop, and you have to make sure all those applications are working. And like I said, the technology is there to deliver all those things, but it just takes a little bit of time. Right? In, in many ways, and I want to jump on this, but I want to get Troy in here real quick, is the move to Windows 10 is going to enable that everything to work, right? Yeah. But before we do that, let's turn to Troy Massey and talk a little bit about Ironbow. And what are you guys seeing from your perspective, from what are you hearing from your federal clients, and react a little bit to what you heard from Mark and Tom and Emanuj? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, everybody's hitting the nail right on the head. Um, VDI has been around for a decade now. 2007 it came out. There hasn't really been a lot of adaptation across the market, but all of a sudden, 18 months ago, things exploded. The why, everybody hit it, Win 10. Win 10 is very hardware intense. And a lot of the machines out there just aren't capable of doing Windows 10. However, with virtualization, you can take a lower-end machine or go to a, a thin client, as we discussed, or a, a zero client, and you can have that same performance uh, out of Win 10 that you would get from a robust laptop that you'd have to go and purchase off the, off the market. So your, your total cost of ownership, your return on investment, really on the, the we talked about t uh, planning out uh, your, your environment. Uh, you know the eight to ten year mark it's it's a lot more robust in your uh, return investment um, another key thing that was mentioned was assessment you have to know the environment um, there have been a lot of VDI in implementations of the past that just didn't go very well and it was because they didn't really know the environment that they were putting it in so assessment 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 
it's interesting you talk about the the desktops aren't capable or maybe aren't quite set up to, to handle the Windows 10. I guess maybe I haven't heard that before. Delve, give, give me, don't go into huge details. Don't talk about, it, about processing power, please. Sure. And, you know, I'm still in Pentium 1, I think. But, <laughs> but help me understand kind of like when you say they're not capable because... Yeah, it's, it's the most hardware intensive uh, operating system that Microsoft has put out to date. Um, we, we saw a little bit of this with the Win 7 migration, uh, prim primarily around hard drive space for uh, Win 7, but um, every gamut across horsepower uh, for Win 10 needs to be dramatically increased. And the fact is that less than half of the industry has machines out there right now that are capable of Windows 10. So then you get into, what are my options? Well, you either replace all of the desktops that aren't compatible, or you look at virtualization. So Tom, you're shaking your head. I know. Let me. Sorry, there's there's so much to talk about. Um, Tom, are you finding the same thing? Because you mentioned you got to go touch each machine. Is that what you're? Was, was you guys in the army are saying the same thing? Right. So, so army wide, so we uh, in. We, we have two distinct user populations, let me put it this way. So we have the tactical user, uh, the people that are in the field, uh, some of which use computers, some of which who do not necessarily use computers, right? Um, and then the, what I'll characterize is the, is the enterprise users, or the people that are at desk and they have broadband connections where VDI is most applicable, right? So uh, what we're seeing is a lot of money has been dumped overseas over the last few years, so their infrastructure is actually quite honestly better than the, the, the CONUS infrastructure, uh, where the predominant number of office users is. Um, so we're really looking at those users, targeting those users, and I, quite honestly, I don't remember the numbers for Army-wide, but for HQDA, Headquarters Department of Army, uh, which is probably the Pentagon and the National Capital Region, 70% of our workstations are actually Win 10 uh, ready, or accept, uh, you know, they can accept a Win 10 image. Uh, the problem is the security requirements that we want to adopt uh, that, are, that give us some serious advantages for Win 10, there's extra hardware required than most of the computers until recently, the last, you know, 12, 14 months or so didn't actually have, so it's this thing called uh, Trusted Processing Module 2.0, right? Um, and so that's kind of been a checkbox we've really been looking for to increase uh, the security. Now, uh, back to VDI, uh, ironically, if you adopt a very large VDI infrastructure, you don't need this TPM chip, right? Because all the data is back in the data center, right? Uh, you, you don't have data encryption at rest problems. You don't have uh, transient mobile user problems necessarily, right? Our real challenge now is balancing the enterprise users and what I'll characterize as the disconnected users, uh, disadvantaged users, users who might be operated in what is known as a contested environment, right? Uh, t predominantly, those are the folks that are downrange, but um, I'm sure you're familiar. Uh, you get on a plane, you want to do some work, right? Uh, you can't do that with VDI. You simply can't, not with a zero client, right? Uh, you need some sort of local processing capability. So we're struggling with that, what's the balance? And as we're trying to, as the Army at large is trying to ramp up their telework program, um, how does VDI work with that if users don't have broadband connections, low latency connections at home, right? And so there are some specific technologies we're bringing to bear on that, uh, but it's really a tough balance for us right now. Um, and given, you know, 1.1 million users, uh, the variety of things we find um, is astonishing at times, so. All right, we're going to take a quick minute. We're going to come back and start with you, so hold your thought. You're listening to the panel discussion, Closing the Gap Between Government and IT, sponsored by Iron Bow and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Ironbow Technologies and Dell EMC, delivering desktop innovation and efficiency to the federal government for more than three decades. Ironbow helps agencies plan, integrate, and support leading Dell EMC solutions, bringing the power of the enterprise to government users. Ironbow partnered with Dell EMC, solutions that support your mission anytime, anywhere, from any device. Visit ironbow.com Dell to find out more. ironbow.com Dell. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Closing the Gap Between Government and IT, sponsored by Ironbow and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Tom Sasela, the Director of the Army Architecture Integration Center in the Office of the CIO and G6, Mark Gooch, the Chief Technology Officer for the Military Health System, Manoj Thomas, the Cloud Client Computing Sales Specialist for Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Ironbow Technologies. Now, right before break, Manoj, you were just jumping into the conversation. I had to cut you off. But jump in, because one of the things that, that you had heard from Tom was these, the challenge of offline. What do you do if you're on a VDI, if you're a thin client, and you need to work offline? Talk about those challenges. Right. So first of all, when you're doing VDI and you want to go offline, 
there was really no good option in the past, right? You had to give somebody a, a, a laptop or whatever it is that they wanted. So now with VDI, there is an option to, to that allows you to check out a virtual machine. And, and Tom mentioned it's an option. However, you know, it adds a little bit more complexity. And that option is, I think, great. My opinion is, is great if you're using a BYOD kind of scenario, right? then you can check out your corporate virtual machine onto your BYOD laptop, off you go, you manage it completely from the, from the network. But if it's a GFE device, well now you're sort of managing two, two OS's, right? You may not necessarily need that, but for an offline scenario where you are on a plane or you're in some place where there's no access, there is capabilities within VDI where you can uh, check out a virtual machine. Again, it's great for a BYOD environment, right? So even, even in that offline scenario, there are options. You have, again, you have to also look at you know, where are they going to be, what are they doing, GFE, BYOD, that kind of scenario. So. And let me just be clear, when you say check out a virtual machine, mm -hmm. meaning it becomes part of, comes onto your device, so it becomes just something you can save to. Absolutely, yeah. So it becomes a, a container within your op operating system where you fire up the second operating system, which is delivered by corporate. And right? then when you connect back to your servers, it syncs up all it the changes. It syncs up and all the changes. Right. So is, is that the answer then to also the mobility question? Because uh, let me turn to Mark. Uh, in the military health system, you guys are big into mobile. Uh, you have uh, healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, moving from patient to patient. Would, would, does this sound like a, a potential no, solution? It's certainly a, a very viable solution for us. If you've watched any television shows and you see people in a hospital, they're usually not standing around, right? It's always about movement, right? So um, having that data empowerment to those individuals for their line of business or work as they go through something like grand rounds, right, to look at a patient's condition, to be able to reach back to the data they need to look at a course of action for that patient is incredibly, incredibly uh, meaningful for what we need to do for our patients. Again, and know the user population and maybe walk in their smocks for a little bit to see what that means when we try to apply technology to them is how do they use that and then when they go home the offline usually the doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals when they leave a facility their day does not end right they are extending into their home life of that so having that desktop or that experience with them connected back to the hospital for those patients entrusted to their care is very meaningful for them and allows us to do better uh, better business from healthcare to health. You know, for someone like a doctor who goes home and wants to look at uh, records or update something, they could do that through a VDI because the connection likely at home will have a broadband or something fast enough. But then again, if you're out in the middle of Iowa or Idaho or wherever and maybe you don't have broadband, right. is, is that then you guys are having to balance both of those needs? Right. Uh, I think the trade space is that, right? Looking at the art of possibility about what their condition might be in to look at how you would supply that technology to them. And uh, exactly when we're talking about downloading too, um, and we're in a that shift for it's we're just going back to a modified mainframe with right more intelligence and enhancements and a prettier picture to it but it is but know that population not everybody when we talked about green screens utilizes that capability so how do you look at some of those checklists or um, capabilities to deliver to them and we want to keep it as free-flowing as possible because really if we standardize on it I kind of don't care what they check out right they need to say that and self-provision what IT they need. And it's really all about the data and the data usage and the applications they need uh, to, to help with their condition. Uh, if you do that, I think that's the good vanilla, that you're not always doing help desk calls and it really reduces the back-end calls and what you can do to expand the life cycle of some of those infrastructure investments to their business and look at what we do for when we move a third of the population around the globe every year. Yeah. Sure, you're, you're shaking your head. Yes, uh, so I'd like to address that a little bit too, the, the benefits of VDI uh, in today's world versus the traditional, we have a laptop and we travel around. Uh, people travel for weeks, months, whatever, they come back. First thing that has to happen with that laptop on a traditional environment, all of the updates. So you go ahead, you sync up, and then you go ahead and get coffee because all your hot, your patches, your service fixes, everything is gonna happen to your image while you wait. So with the VDI uh, uh, industry, we, we can check out, like we discussed, we can check out that image, go do our work. All of our unique data that we did when we come back gets synced up. But while you are gone, the image that sits in the data center has already been patched, being tested to make sure everything's functional. It's all pretty good to go. So when you sync up, you already get that new image. Um, so the idea of, of syncing up, uh, that's the something we've heard about VDI, the, the, we go down a path of security, but before we go there, is the fact that you're, you're all working off the same spot, so applications. Uh, Manoj, are, are you seeing, as, as this is happening, that, that agencies are understanding, you talked about ROI earlier, you talk about um, the, the, the benefits. Is that, do people get that still, or is that still kind of 
they out do. there like, yeah, yeah, I think we can do that. <clears throat> no, they do, absolutely do, right? It's just trying to get them to adopt and how soon you want them to adopt, right? Everybody understands the benefits, mm-hmm. the security benefits of it. And just to touch on mobility, just back up for a quick second. So when my job sort of is when someone says mobility, you know, I want to dig in a little bit, right? So there's two classes of it. Is it BYOD? When you say mobility, it's just I just want to get access to it as long as I have connect connectivity. Or are your users traveling, like you said, you're in, you're in Idaho or you're in overseas somewhere with no con- connectivity? So we always try to say, okay, when you when we look at your user base, let's look at them exactly what they're doing and what they need to do and when they need to do it, right? So that when you, that's that's the way you can best deliver that experience or give them a device that they can work when they're online or offline. But back to your stuff, they absolutely see the security benefits. They all, they all see it, right? But the what I sort of see standing in the way is business as usual, right? Try to get them off of that and the time it takes to test the applications. So that's that's where I see the delay is. Everybody sees the value in it and you I mean you guys are already doing this stuff and, and I can tell you pretty much every agency in the government has some level of BDI that they've they're either using or have tried, right? So it's just a matter of educating them and bringing them back in, into full force. Right? Tom, this is a great segue around to the beginning of the conversation when you talked about the Fort Gordon. I want to come back to that, the, the Cyber Security Center, if I, I get that Center right. Of excellence. Center of Excellence. Uh, talk a little bit about, the, you talked about the, 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 the future, if you will, how, how potentially the base of the future, the command of the future. Right. How does this kind of relate back to this discussion, mobile and, and, and VDI and the like? Right, so one of the things we're trying to push the envelope with a little bit at Fort Gordon is, it, although for the Army it is a Cyber Center of Excellence, Fort Gordon is an installation, what we're calling the installation of the future. Uh, so across the gamut, think of anything you can think of from an IT stack all the way from the lowest physical layer up to the, the highest layer. Uh, we want to implement technologies that will take us into the future. And so we talked about virtualization earlier more from a data center perspective, but one of the things we're really actively kind of looking at is application virtualization. And Manoj mentioned this actually, and, and Mark did as well, right? So if we can stream the application to the user rather than install it as part of the image, it does a number of things for us. First off, we can keep the application up to date more readily, right? And it, it, you know, industry term is called evergreen, right? So, um, but but it also allows us to decrease the size of the image. It decreases the amount of memory the image takes, the amount of computing horsepower it takes, right? Um, and you couple that with uh, emerging um, uh, networking technologies, you know, the industry buzz term software-defined networking, right? Um, and you push that into the data center, known as you know software-defined data centers and whatnot. Uh, really, what we're talking about is virtualizing um, from the physical layer all the way up, right? So you virtualize the network. There's no more physical network ports. You plug a machine. An example being one of the other military departments went to Best Buy. Uh, they had a very uh, an infrastructure called Comply to Connect, and went to Best Buy, bought a laptop, plugged it into their computer uh, network. It identified the fact that it wasn't a compliant computer. It uh, re-imaged the entire machine, put their baseline down, and pushed all the applications to it in under an hour. Um, and so that shows you the power of some of the technology that can be deployed, right? So that's kind of what we're looking at for, for, for Fort Gordon writ large and the Cyber Center of Excellence, because it is the Cyber Center of Excellence. Uh, the, the, I, I almost wanted to say the next battlefield, but it's not next anymore, right? Is the cyber world, right? And so we need to be able to have an environment where we can train our soldiers in an environment where the war is happening, right? And it's no longer about sending them out in the field and, and you know, it's traditionally what I call kinetic targeting, right? Blowing things up, right? It's a non-kinetic activity, um, whether it's offensive or, or defensive cyber operations. Uh, so these attack the control plane of software-defined networks, right? Uh, attack the data center, uh, insider threat. These are all things, uh, user behavior monitoring, that we need to be able to set up and evaluate very quickly and say, oh, our uh, adversary has adapted to this particular technique that we're using from a defensive perspective. How do we uh, either plug the hole or go offensive on them, uh, uh, you know, if it opens up such an avenue? And so, you know, simple things, enabling technologies, and, and, and we do, uh, you know, in CIOG6, we're more of a policy organization, but IT is an enabler for the, for the mission, whatever the mission might be, whether it's medical, war fighting, you know, um, just the, the business side, finance, financial management, for example, right? Um, but wireless technology enabling um, mobilities, ubiquitous wireless broadband connection across the installation is something we're looking at. Um, using line of sight to connect buildings as you know, either a primary or a backup to fiber cuts, right? Which, you know, because they never happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's things like that, creating the, the survivability and the resiliency and baking it into the core infrastructure so that the users are in the application space, in the mission space where they need to be, right? And not worrying about, oh, well, am I online or am I offline, right? So we did this in the Pentagon, right? I just experienced this yesterday. I got up from my desk with my phone and we have Wi-Fi, right? And it followed me around. I was able to, you know, have it, connectivity throughout the building, which, you know, 
12 months or so no, ago. Could not do. Could not do. Uh, couldn't even get a cell signal. And, and ironically, it was on Wi-Fi. I had no cell signal. So um, that's that's good. But so that's kind of what we're looking for is, you know, the soldier is a sensor sort of thing. How can we leverage this? And then um, we won't open the door. But, you know, this leads us into the kind of the big data cyber analysis, business analytics space, um, where virtualization can help us uh, as well. So. so so, Mark, you heard what Tom talked about, talk about the installation of the future. Are you guys looking at something in the same realm, maybe not installation of the future, but, but as we talk about virtualization and SDN and all those other popular topics? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So working with our facilities department and our meal comp planning, we absolutely are creating, right, acoustically tuned rooms that allows for, right, uh, patient engagement, provider engagement, to take that data about my husband or wife or in a cardiac care, what should I know as a spouse to take care of that? What do I need to do when we have, um, let's say, a surge of wounded warriors in our facility, right, that their family can allow that ecosystem to happen, our guest wireless network while still protecting. Uh, those things are, are critical to what we want to do for shaping the hospital of the future and learning from some of the industry partners who have built some of those hospitals of the future, right? I mean, you could imagine just turning around 15 degrees would reduce the ambient noise inside that, right? Mm -hmm. So you're in a hospital, but you don't always rest in a hospital, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we work on just tuning that and quieting some of the monitoring, um, allow us our doctors um, to, to walk around with what we, we have for um, telephones on their things. I mean, it's really, we're at the point where we're start track communicating. Yeah. Uh, it really is. I mean, we have been in some of our overseas facilities, tried that out, and it's worked very well for where's the doctor out, and we can geolocate inside that facility where those providers are at. So if we need, we had a code blue, or we have a disaster, or we have, my God, any kind of tragedy we have to go to, at least we know where our critical assets are, both yeah. right on the facility or not, to respond to those areas and activities. It's, it's amazing. We've come a long way. Mark's taking us down the IoT, IPv6. We've got a whole different set of conversations <laughs> I here. IPv6. No, you didn't. We, we, we don't talk about that. We call it IoT now. Uh, let me turn to Troy. When, when we talk about what, what you're Tom and Mark trying to do, and, and a lot of other agencies are trying to do, a big piece of this is that migration to Windows 10. That's, that's not an easy migration. Talk a little bit about what they should keep in mind. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the challenges we mentioned was the, the hardware uh, intensity that Windows 10 presents. But uh, traditionally, we've seen migrations are a challenge anyway, just going from one physical desktop to another physical desktop, what we call physical to physical, um, because you have to migrate the entire user information over from one to one. Migration times are extremely long, extremely painful. Uh, all sorts of stuff that you don't even think about in the background, like you need more IP addresses because you have two machines plugged in at the same desk right now. You need to make sure you have a network plugged into, you have two cables to that desktop everywhere you go. Um, but the other part of that is the actual software portion. So moving physical to physical takes a long time, but when you have a virtual environment, the image gets created once for your entire user base. So the Army uh, AGM, Army Goldmaster image gets created once. All those applications become virtualized applications um, on a on-prem, off-prem cloud. It's all tied together, and the deployment is simply the firing up of the new machine. Um, or the old machine, if it's capable in the BDI environment, yeah. yeah. So, so are you seeing that, that this idea of, of challenging migration to Windows 10? I mean, uh, maybe I should ask Tom this question. I mean, are you guys overcoming some of these obstacles? You talked about understanding they got to touch the machines. Right. So, <clears throat> absolutely, we, we we are and we have overcome a good portion of them. Uh, you know, issues will forever come up and and what they might be. Uh, so we, as you mentioned earlier, unfortunately, Department of Defense is a little bit behind uh, the original intended plan date. Uh, but, but we knew that was a stretch goal, anyways. I mean, Terry it, Halverson, the former DoD CIO, yeah. is is known for his uh, putting these stretch goals out there. So. Right. So with all due credit. Yeah, so it, it, it was a stretch goal, and, and it, what we found out in the, the year that he gave us to do it is it, it, we took the year essentially to analyze the environment and figure out, well, you know, where do we start, right? Yeah. So you, you got to look at your people, you got to look at your installation, uh, the installations themselves, are they capable, right? Um, there's actually a power, you know, sa you know, savings or increase in HVAC requirements and things. So uh, we're now at the stage uh, between a, a process of, uh, you know, physically reloading the machines by touching them, uh, remotely, uh, you know, kind of over the wire, re-imaging, and then what we're calling these upgrade in places, uh, uh, really starting to hit the picture. We call it the, the hockey stick.
stick picture, right? So it, it's going to start going up dramatically. You uh, had to bring up hockey sticks. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. uh, bad timing. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, so we're going to see a dramatic increase over the next couple of weeks uh, and months, and and we're we're targeting uh, you know the January 2018 timeframe, and and so far we believe we're tracking. Uh, you know, obviously Murphy always crops his head up at most times, but we we've been working on this now for a long time, and I think we've narrowed down a lot of the issues, um, and we actually made some investments in the actual infrastructure uh, to facilitate this. And and I don't like the word future proof because that's you know in IT that's <laughs> that's asking for Murphy to come and sit on your desk, right? Uh, but uh, providing this infrastructure that'll allow us to lead us into the future that is a little bit more malleable um, and a little bit more dynamic and resilient uh, to changes in the ecosphere uh, and changes in the environment. So, All right, very good. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will continue this conversation. You're listening to the panel discussion, Closing the Gap Between Government and IT, sponsored by Iron Boat and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Federal initiatives mandate the adoption of new technologies. You need modern, future-proof solutions. Ironbow Technologies and Dell EMC help you assess your options and modernize IT so you can focus on your mission, reduce costs, and better serve agency users and your constituencies. For information on consolidation and effective management of physical, virtual, and cloud environments, visit ironbow.com Dell. That's ironbow.com Dell. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Closing the Gap Between Government and IT, sponsored by Ironbow and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Tom Cicela, the Director of the Army Architecture Integration Center in the Office of the CIO and G6, Mark Gouge, the Chief Technology Officer for the Military Health System, Manoj Thomas, the Cloud Client Computing Sales Specialist for Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Ironbow Technologies. We ended the last segment talking a little bit about mobility or a fair amount about mobility, but one of the pieces of mobility that I think we have to address, especially with our panelists from the Defense Department, is the common access card, the CAC. And, and this has been a, a struggle for a lot of agencies, not just the, from DOD, but every government agency who's been having to implement HSPD-12, the PIV card. How does that work with mobile devices? So I guess let me start, start with Tom and, and just ask, how are you addressing this issue of, of the CAC and virtualization and Windows 10 and all the pieces and parts. Right, so as you know, the Department of Defense was an, ex an exceptionally early adopter of the, the two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication via the CAC common access card. Uh, so we've actually built an entire eco ecosphere around the CAC infrastructure, and that's uh, that's both good and bad, right? Uh, because now we have this ecosphere and it needs to change. <laughs> uh, we It's gonna take some time to change it. Uh, but we are significantly further ahead in terms of what I'll characterize as a larger uh, identity or an attribute management problem set. Um, and and so the advantage there that it gives us is it does give us the single token, the single identity for all of our users with uh, the uh, what is known as the EDIPI, which is the unique ID on the CAC card, uh, that is is persistent over time. So when we link those 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 persistent attributes with our dynamic mobile environment, that gives us ability to bridge a user from their traditional desktop environment to a more mobile-ready environment under VDI to a purely mobile environment on a you know a smartphone or a uh, a handheld device, and then t carry that all the way down into the field, whether you're, you're on a tactical radio system, right? So uh, this kind of, uh, it's the glue that kind of holds together our infrastructure. And so uh, with Win 10 specifically, that uh, it only continues to bolster and enhance our positioning in terms of, of bridging the gaps. Uh, you know, we've been working very closely with the UK's Ministry of Defense um, on their uh, OC0365 uh, migration that they were going through as the department's trying to figure out what their next right. generation uh, defense enterprise op uh, something office suite is. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so uh, one of the uh, things they highlighted to us is that there were two things, which one of which we talked about earlier, which is I characterize as prepping the battlefield, doing that analysis up front, figure out where you are. Uh, we don't want to end up in analysis paralysis. We're just studying the, the rock forever. Uh, but the, the thing that they highlighted to us was a technological challenge that I don't know that we fully grasped, which was the identity and managing the identity from the internal ecosphere. You know, for us, it's called the Doden or the, or the, the you know, land war net for the Army or whatever, with the what I'll characterize is the internet 
um, identity, right? So I would imagine most people here have one, if not more, email addresses, whether it's your Google account or your Microsoft Live account or whatever. Um, so they don't talk to each other, right? They're designed actually, quite honestly, to not talk to each other. That creates a problem if you want to take your internal identity, your internal attributes, and you want to cloud enable in the commercial sector, right? So how do you bridge that internal um, you know, ecosphere of, of compute capabilities and say, Tom Sasela is Tom Sasela no matter where um, he is, whether he's sitting at his desk in the Pentagon or whether he is out in the field using, you know, you know, GChat for one reason or another, um, if that's something that we would choose to do, so. It's interesting you bring up this, this broader idea of, of identity management because it's, it's always been seen as, okay, well, how do I log into my computer? How do I physically access the building? And now, as we move into virtualization or as we move into the cloud, it becomes this broader discussion as roles and responsibilities. Mark, you're shaking your head. Talk a little bit about military health system and how you guys are kind of addressing this identity management more well, broadly. I say the same challenges in kind of the same ways when we talk about persona management, right? When we talk about that either the combination of CAT card with the concierge service allows soft search to be rendered from a known known so that my bonding between the one that's going to be issuing and really my authoritative source for that follows that key exchange that allows the certificates to be put down on the device to allow that person to flow from different machines, right? Because they're going to say, I haven't changed. I'm still the same person. Why do I have these many different experiences really when I need data, 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 app, app? At that. So I think when we talk about that plan ahead, let's look at a, a way to, um, to to kind of streamline not only the, the way that they do business, but really take um, the the hardware out of it, abstraction layer of that, so we can work on the persona mission as it flows across that. And that's pretty easy to do in a, in a lab early, but when you start putting it out to the enterprise and you haven't done your right measure twice, cut once, <laughs> you're in trouble. You yes. really are, right? And, and you have the burning torches on, on the front lawn. I mean, kind of like they're going to burn down the house on you. And that's what I'm saying about working with the customers, looking at how we provision that and provision that, and then learning from industry and other people like us. I think we tend to stay in a cylinder sometimes instead of opening up your eyes to look at more ways to do business, to take that technology or topology and apply that to your use case and your business needs to do that. So I think reusability a lot for those kind of things for us is, is, is gaining a lot lot of traction and we meet with industry a lot because they're really out there meeting with thousands more people than I could possibly do. And, and Troy, one of the things that this leads us down the path as well is, is around this idea of, of user, understanding what the user's doing. And, and maybe it's a, it's a little bit of a dirty word, say user monitoring, but really it's a, with insider threats and, and, and understanding roles and responsibilities comes that, that power. Yeah. That, that's really one of the, if you will, from a cyber perspective, a big benefit of, of the VDI Windows 10 movement. Yeah, absolutely. So from the cyber perspective and from the performance perspective. So for years we've tried to monitor the users to, to see what they are doing, what they access, um, what applications they're using, and how fast that actually is all happening. It's very challenging in the physical world. There's a lot of applications out there that, that have done it for years, kind of. Um, with the virtualization world, it's very simple. We, the, the application response time is, is, is plugged into it. It's, it's ready to go. Um, from a security sp perspective, there's a lot of things uh, Tom and Mark had mentioned about, uh, like smartphones, tablets. Uh, we talked about thin clients or zero clients. Um, if we talk about going downrange, uh, a lot of risk has always been behind that piece of hardware being a laptop or whatever we're using downrange, falling into bad hands. With a zero client, they get nothing. Right. They, there is no data remaining on that device if it is compromised. So, And even when we're talking about that container piece, I know as you talked about earlier about things are on a container, right. even if that gets compromised, that container still is not right. the, accessible. The container is, is, is control locked. You, know, you still need the same credentials if, you, if you're using CAC to get into it. You still have to use CAC to get into it, whether it's on a BYOD or a GFE device. Or so the protection still is there. It just got mobile, right? right. And to go back to the cyber piece of it is, is that um, Mark mentioned geofencing, right? So that's big. So now I could be anywhere uh, with certain access level, but I may have a different access depending on what floor I am right. versus the lobby, right? Because now Wi-Fi is enabled in the Pentagon, right? Well, maybe there's a certain location, you may be on Wi-Fi, but because where you are, you don't have access to certain things that you have when you're somewhere else. So with VDI, 
you kind of have a little bit more control over where the user is coming from, what device they're coming from, and what level of access they have to resources you know, in your data center. So there's, there's all that benefit that comes and, into and it. And just to be clear, just in case for our audience is not necessarily have heard of the term geofencing before, it, describe it, so it's, it's this idea of, of what? It's the idea of knowing where, where the user is coming from, Right, from a location perspective, right, and where in the building are they, right, and depend lobby versus lobby versus, versus yep, or you're close to a skiff, or you're in a skiff, right, whatever that may be. So you know where they're coming from. You can't spoof it because there's IPs and all those things that you can track. And based on that, and you mentioned persona management. So there's a bunch of things that come into play to make that geofencing happen. But the but the end point, end goal is that you can track, you can see what they're doing, where they're going, and what you give them access to. And, right? and so people don't get too kind of up upset about this. <laughs> this is really all about protecting the data. So, right, it's a cybersecurity play versus I don't trust Tom or I don't trust Mark. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, it's not. It's not the user. It's I want to protect my data. It's I have more control over it. Right. So now I can protect it based on who the user is, where they're coming from. Right. Right. And, and Tom, that's another piece of VDI that we can talk to as well, is because when you talk about cybersecurity and VDI, and, and, and as you mentioned, there's there's the data center side, and then there's the endpoint side. Let me start with the data center side. You, you mentioned data at rest, data encryption. Those are two huge things that can happen. Right. Talk a little bit about why how those benefits come into play from a cyber perspective. Right. So, so one of the key things we're trying to strive for is is what I'll characterize as a risk adaptive posture. Right. And, and risk comes in many forms. It could be environmental, physical. Environment. Um, it could come in terms of logical environment, in terms of uh, a cyber attack. Uh, so, with uh, highly virtualized environments that are dynamic in nature, uh, that where this you know the the notion of network function virtualization, where everything's virtualized, you can stand up or tear down environments or networks uh, uh, at will uh, for multiple reasons. You know, capacity management, demand management, um, but also um, what I'll call information security management. Right. So, uh, if you have an environment that you stood up for the sole purpose for uh, you know a contingency for say like a hurricane or something you can tear it down very quickly archive it right well the same can be happened from a cyber perspective right uh, so if if you see an ongoing cyber attack and you maybe want to say hey I don't want to shut it down. I want to. I want to know more about this. Stand up a new environment, right? Maybe redirect them to the new environment to watch them while the actual environment is a little bit more protected or whatever. So uh, the virtualization gives you that. The data center, when you have uh, data encryption at rest, you have data encryption in transit um, and legitimate, you know, maybe container-based cryptographic isolation, which Manoush mentioned, right? Uh, you get some really powerful tools uh, now. You know. There's a balance there, right? Because anytime you employ encryption or any sort of cryptographic techniques, you do have to worry about some key management issues, right? Um, if you were to say uh, create all this isolation and create all these levels of encryption, there's a, there's overhead on the processors, there's extra processing power, and if you happen to lose the key, um, uh, you're kind of not in a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, I'm an old comsec guy from back in my Navy days, so key management's kind of near and dear to my heart. So it's just something to bear in mind that you know, th there's all this great technology out there, and there's many vendors that'll tell you well. You know, I'll give you data encryption rest. I'll, I'll, I'll encrypt your storage at the byte level, you know, on our storage device, and that's fantastic until you lose the key. <laughs> uh, so you just got to keep that in mind. It goes back to kind of the process thing that we talked about earlier. Uh, you got to have good process in place there. So, so uh, let me turn to our, our vendors to let them respond a little bit to the management issues. Uh, either, either Troy Manoj, talk a little bit about this management issues. Is it be, you know, before we talked about VDI was in, in the early stages, now it's, it's maturing. Are we maturing to, through those management issues, Troy? It's, it's kind of funny because we've, we've kind of went from one management issue to the other <laughs> management <laughs> issue. So we, we went out and we deployed all these physical computers, desktops, all over every desk that we could imagine. And then we had an administrative nightmare because we had to control what the users or monitor or patch what the users did to every single desktop out there. Years passed and some desktops got replaced, so now you've got one type of hardware out there, one type of vendor out there. You've got to support 15 different types of computers all of a sudden. So we came in this nightmare. Virtualization fixes that. Now we can manage everything, the image, everything back at the data center. Now we introduce management, administration, over the data center. So we're kind of taking one for the other as far as uh, administration. And uh, like uh, Tom had mentioned, there's uh, some overhead that happens with uh, performance that can, can hinder the deployment if, if not configured properly. So. And, and this goes back to the uh, 
very beginning of the conversation, and, and, and as we uh, start to wrap up here, and this has been a great conversation, uh, one of the things that you, you all mentioned was the assessment, be prepared. So, so let, let me start with Minaj and, and talk a little bit about what should, uh, recommendations, advice, as people head down this path, re, rediscover VDI, rediscover uh, as they move to Windows 10. So again, knowing your environment is critical, right? Again, I, I love when people say I want to go VDI, but I always tell them, let's find out what's going on currently in your environment, right? How are the users, their desktops performing? What applications are they using? How many of these applications are they using? So doing an assessment will give you all that information. That's one piece of it, right? But we also talked about networking. Well, we need to know how is the network performing, right? Because you can build this fantastic back-end data center with all the resources you have, but if your network is bad, well, the experience is going to be bad, right? So doing an assessment to find out exactly what's going on, because you don't want to take what's wrong and put it into a data center, it's still going to be wrong, right? You're still going to have a bad experience. So that's what I preach all the time. Know what's going on in the environment currently, and let's architect to fix the environment. So you're addressing all the check boxes, right? And along the way, if network, networking seems to be the issue, well, we need to address that as well, right? So that's, so that's important. That's key. Uh, to be able to do that. And just to go back on the management side, you know, yeah, we move all the management to the data center, but also we have to look at the endpoints, right? Because if you're going to go on, install a thin client or a zero client, look at the advantages of doing that and where they fit, right? So I always say start with zero, a zero client if it fits, because that takes all of the management away from the desktop and you're moving into the data center, right? So and then you move up to the next level of the client, ending up maybe with a PC, because that's what they have to have, right? Good point. Troy, yeah, so, so there's uh, there's no two, two environments are the same. So agreed, assessment, assessment, assessment. Um, it goes not just on the user end, which could change to a zero, thin, or thick client, depending on the environment. The network, make sure that we can push that image down to the, the whatever the client becomes. On the data center side, there could be a possible uh, reutilization of servers, storage that exist now. So we don't know what that is until we get out there and look. So assessment, assessment, assessment. Uh, again, good point. I think something we, we always talk a lot about the preparation, but does it happen? Uh, probably not quite enough. Uh, Mark, bring us home. Get, you get the last word of the day. Sure. It's all about the data. It's all about the data. Right, and how you utilize the data. Right. So those use stories and those plannings are, are critical to that. So you can do your performance tuning to look at right sizing your network too. Right, to ensure that the data is at the right place at the right time, safely and securely. All right, Tom, you don't get the last word. Okay. But thank you. <laughs> How about that? All right, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. You've been listening to the panel discussion, Closing the Gap Between Government and IT, sponsored by Ironbow and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller, to thank my guests, Tom Sasela, the Director of the Army Architecture Integration Center in the Office of the CIO G6, Mark Googe, the Chief Technology Officer for the Military Health System, Minaj Thomas, the Cloud Client Computing Sales Specialist for Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of the Enterprise Engagements for Ironbow Technologies. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Ironbow. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Closing the Gap Between Government and IT, sponsored by Ironbow and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Ironbow.